Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Over the line! Hello, welcome to another episode of Over Under Movies, where we uh, talk about an overrated and an underrated movie within the same style, genre, or pretty much any way we see fit. Uh, I am Octay Ege Kozak. I'm Eric McClanahan. And I'm Ryan Oliver. As usual, uh, our new home of uh, the playlist.net uh, is hosting our our podcast, and we're still really happy about that. So uh, if you want to check out our podcast or uh, Eric's uh, Adjust Your Tracking tracking Podcast or other interviews and stuff like that, you can always go to the playlist.net and check out the, uh, the podcast tab and uh, take a look at all of our like uh, nice episodes on the the podcast network on the playlist podcast network. But anyway, this this episode we're gonna we are getting into Ryan's picks and we are going full blown nineties dick swinging, <laughs> balls to the wall uh, buddy cop action. The picks by Ryan. We're gonna do a little bit of a different thing here. We're just gonna I'm just gonna introduce both of our underrated and overrated picks and we're just going to basically uh talk about them overall so uh ryan's underrated pick is kind of tied to a contemporary film because it's written by shane black who also wrote and directed uh the the great and funny nice guys which is not doing that amazingly at the box office so i hope that you know i'll I'll just get that recommendation out of the way, so maybe you can check it out. Totally. Um, yeah, and uh, I think we're, we're all like pretty big fans of that movie. But yeah, um, so the movie is uh, Tony, Tony Scott directed The Last Boy Scout. It came out in '91, and the uh, the our over the Ryan's overrated pick is Michael Bay's first feature, Bad Boys, with uh, which is a, a fairly typical buddy cop action comedy from 95. It's $105,000 and this happens to be one of the fastest production cars on the planet. See what the 16 four seconds, sweetie. This is a limited edition. You damn right it's limited. No cup holder, no back seat. Just a shiny dick with two chairs in it. I guess we the balls just dragging the fuck along. Oh, damn. Sorry. Get it. I can't get down there. You got an engineering floor up in here. My shit ain't going down. I've been there. Go. Titty, titty, strutty, strutty. Come on. Come on. Come on. Without further ado, let's 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 get into this. Uh, Ryan, why'd you pick these two films specifically? Well, I picked The Last Boy Scout, as you said, to coincide with The Nice Guys, which you guys both assured me, oh, it'll still be out when we do this episode. And <laughs> wrong we were. Not really. Um, how, well, we did get recording a little late, but... Yes, so The Nice Guys, unfortunately, is not out. I should, uh, I should say check it out when it's on VOD, for sure. Yeah, pretty much at this point. But um, I did you know, remember really enjoying The Last Boy Scout as far as these movies go. 
Um, and I, the reason I wanted to pair the two up together is I just I think beyond the, the buddy cop genre, I think uh, both these movies have a ton of overlap or maybe not a ton necessarily. But I know both Tony Scott and Michael Bay started as music video directors and both filmmakers have this, you know, quick cutting uh, sort of whip bang style of action like the MTV sort of cutting and um, both filmmakers got their big break from Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson with Michael Bay with this first bad boys movie Tony Scott of course with Top Gun um, so there, there there's a lot of overlap between the two movies and I, I've always thought the last Boy Scout it's interesting to look to see what makes the movie sort of questionable I guess in the eyes of the public because this movie, like comparing the two movies, both of them have a very similar Rotten Tomato score. Bad Boys is at 43, Last Boy Scout at 44. Both movies made about the same amount of money, but the Last Boy Scout has been like seen in popular culture as this flop, or or if not a flop, it's sort of like underperformer. Mm. And I'm wondering if that might have came with these sort of expectations at the time. Shane Black's script had sold for the highest amount of money a screenplay, a spec script had ever sold for. Um, obviously, he'd written Lethal Weapon, so you got a big name there. You got a big name in Tony Scott. You have Bruce Willis coming off of Die Hard. And so maybe people were expecting this movie to be like the best action movie ever made because of all this talent involved. And, <laughs> and what you get is a, um, you know, a, a perfectly fine, a very enjoyable buddy cop movie that's got a plot that. I won't say it doesn't make sense, but it is like kind of all over the place. But um, it does have a very enjoyable rapport between uh, Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans. And uh, I do think the one thing I think that separates this movie from Bad Boys to me is um, I feel like Shane Black and, and even Tony Scott um, in his later action movies, they understand character. Like they actually understand like what goes into making a character, what goes into their motivations, what goes into like even if it's the most bare bones like uh, development for this sort of archetype of character. In this case, Bruce Willis being the the drunken uh, detective whose you know wife is sleeping around on him, and then Damon Wayans is disgraced football player. Like we've seen these archetypes before, but it has, they... has trouble adjusting to the contemporary world. That's a Shane Black trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. But he still like understands how to write characters and and Bay to me, even in the first Bad Boys, which you know credit where credits due, I think uh, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith are great together in that movie, and that that's I feel like that's sort of why everyone gives that movie a huge pass is because they were such a discovery, at least in feature films, they had been on their respective sitcoms, but they became huge stars after that movie, and I think people. I'll remember bad boys as a better movie than it actually is. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I, I think Will Smith has that pull. And I also think that the, the, the slow rate that VHS used to come out, I guarantee the VHS for bad boys hit shelves about the time that independence day hit theaters. Mm. So people were really on the Will Smith train at that point. Yeah. And yeah. And I, yeah, I can see that. And I think people, you know, like this movie for that. And I do think they're great. But I I do think that even more so than Last Boy Scout, it is very run of the mill. It's very routine. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's just it's, it's worse than routine. It has one of the worst screenplays for even a <laughs> 90s, uh, 90s action movie. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous, Absolutely. like tacky sitcom plot that wouldn't even fly in an episode of like 
Family Matters or something like that. Like you it's... know, it's bad. You know, it's bad when Bay hated the script and and <laughs> yeah. uh, encouraged them to improv, which you can tell like the which best. Is, which is it's only the movie's movie. only real saving grace as far as like yeah. if you see behind the impressive action that he was able to, you know. Of course, it's like his usual typical like ADD, just like incohesive like kind of action style. Uh, but at least like it's it's impressive for its budget. Like it, it's it looks way bigger than what that movie actually cost. So that that's impressive. But apart from that, like the, as far as if you talk about like the story and the acting and the and pretty much everything else, if you didn't have the the chemistry between Martin Lawrence and uh, Will Smith, I feel like it would be even an even bigger disaster. And I feel like even when I was like when that movie came out and I we used to like rent it and watch it and stuff, like I would um, I think I'm also one of those people who kind of gave gave it a pass, be like, oh, it's like stupid you know uh 90s action buddy cop entertainment it's like a dumbass script and you know just like and i just give it a pass because i'm just like it's fun to watch you know martin lawrence and will smith bicker which is like uh catching up to it now is that stuff is also like really grating as well (laughs) but i don't know what's your what's your take on it eric um, yeah, I, I Octave, very similar to yours with bad boys. Uh, even more so the movie had maybe a stronger hold on me when I, when it came out, because I'm pretty sure I've been racking my brain. Pretty sure this is the first R rated movie that I got to see in a theater. So mm. bad boys was a big deal for that. Like I even remember like being like a parent had to accompany us because, uh, the ticket taker wouldn't let me and my three other friends who were like 14 or whatever at the time, like they wouldn't let us see this movie. You just don't see that at movie theaters so much anymore. That kind of, uh, you know, guardian yeah, no, of... that would just let you in. Yeah. They don't give a shit now. <laughs> so three years old, fuck it. Here's neon demon. <laughs> it was a simpler time. So yeah, it, it had, it was special for me in that. And also, um, huge huge martin lawrence fan at this time like i thought the show martin was like the greatest sitcom ever at this time so (laughs) me and the same friend that saw this movie uh bad boys like we're big martin fans like we loved that show and also you know fresh prince you weren't as big of a fresh i was gonna bring that up no definitely definitely was but it was like right at this time it was like oh my gosh like they're taking Martin Lawrence, who I'm currently excited about, and Will Smith, who only a couple years ago was like my jam with Fresh Prince, you know? So it was that combination, and they are grading now. And really, you see um, you see how the improv, the kind of letting those two loose in this movie, um, how it sort of uh, devolved into a really sort of ugly bizarreness with the sequel. So it makes me very um, hesitant and worried about the what is supposed to be bad boys three at some point is coming. So, um, I am DB says 2017, but yeah. I don't think there's even like a script or a base too busy making transformers uh, right well, now. So well, no, no well, script has Arnahan never stopped them. So. Direct it. I don't oh, know if you knew oh, about that. Oh, so that which changes the game. Cause that yeah. could be, cause Joe Carnahan is like Michael Bay without the like ugliness. I mean, <laughs> he's got some, but like, He's made some capable movies. Joe Carnahan is Michael Bay with the talent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's another thing I would say is bad boys just on an action movie level. Holy cow. Is it pretty dull and like lackluster? Like, you know, we can always, I think all of us would rip on Michael Bay. If if given, just give us the time. We're going to make fun of him on this episode. I'm sure. But you like his action. You can see 
what a first movie this is in terms of his action because for all his faults man like there are still i still feel like i have to see his movies a lot of the time just to catch like a 30 second shot of something amazing that i know he will do of course you have to endure the now standard like two and a half hour runtime and at least bad boys for all its faults is not as long it's under two hours but it's still kind of an, an indulgent like mess that I think Ryan makes the ultimate point. I think people think this movie's better in their memory than it is. It's a, it's kind of one of those classic cases that I'm sure plenty of people have it on their DVD shelf and are like, Oh man, bad boys. And if they were to watch it, I bet by and large, they'd be like, this is not even that exciting. So, I mean, yeah, I, th- well, I, I actually yeah. think bad boys Two is a far more interesting movie. I'm not going to say agreed. it's a better movie, no, agreed. but I, I think that the, the, action in that movie like i mean obviously this is the first movie well, well it so makes me want to actually happen. throw shit at the screen so maybe it, it does get like a bigger you know it's provoking a lot it's, more out of it's you provoking. It's, 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 it's emotionally more charged more, in that but, way but, but, like, but ryan's ever, right the action is pretty insanely awesome at times in bad boys too oh it's great the car yeah. chase scene in oh, the city yeah. with the bodies are getting out there. like it's so good and the 360 degree shot in the like, like drug den shootout yeah, yeah but but, but when you're when you're watching like those those exciting action set pieces and you're rooting for the good guys to die. It's, it's, it's a little, that's true. They are like terrible, <laughs> terrible human beings. In the second they're they're, they're basically uh, Apple Ferreira's like uh, the <laughs> bad lieutenant, but you're supposed to like them in a way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I actually think I'd root for Harvey Keitel and yeah, even more than I do for because, Mike because Lowry. They, Cause they're like, they're, they're like mean, like horrible at like murderous assholes in that movie. Like it's, it's not even, the, the way that they behave like there's nothing funny about it just that 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 one scene that everybody of course brings up about the where they like pull a gun on a little kid because he wants to date like martin lawrence's uh daughter, daughter. yeah so bad it's, it's like it's it's a it's a, it's a move straight out of like a werner herzog like <laughs> yeah like the the nicholas cage bat lieutenant movie or something like that like it's it's just it's like that movie is so bizarrely like out of tune mm-hmm. and... but in contrast with the last boy scout i think like to me watching these two together and and readings you know up on what happened in the making of the movies is that it's such a tribute to the talent of shane black and and tony scott as a director that this movie turned out like halfway competent in, in any way because mm. Tony Scott hated working with Joel Silver every single second, every single day. That's why the producer character in True Romance is modeled exactly after <laughs> Joel Silver, uh, which is my favorite Tony Scott movie. Just and Joel Silver is also Me supposed too. to be uh, Kevin Spacey in Swimming with Sharks. So yes. I guess he was the nicest guy, at least during the 90s. Must not have been. A lot of coke. I mean, let's be real. There's <laughs> Dude's got so around. much cocaine going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I just know that everyone did coke in these movies at that time, probably in the making of too. Uh, Bruce Willis and uh, Damon Wayans, despite having really good chemistry on screen, also hated each other mm, um, in the making of the movie, which is really weird. Cause you would not see that um, on the screen. Yeah, pretty good chemistry. chemistry to go. it's, it's not as like fluid as uh, bad boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think out of like, if you, if you were to break down like all the elements of both films, uh, I think the only element that Bad Boys would have a little bit of an edge over uh, Last Boy Scout would be carry chemistry between the two leads. Mm. Um, but apart from that, I think yeah, Last Boy Scout is like the is obviously like the superior one. Also I mean, shocking. One thing Bad Boys does do better, and and I know you're trying to talk, Eric, and just one more quick thing. Uh, no problem. This is shocking because Bay has had a really bad track record with misogyny, but I do think that Tay Leone is one of the 
one of the better female characters in his movies mm-hmm. and is far and away better than the like lead female character in the last boy scout which is never been Shane Black's strong shoot, shoot yeah. uh, suit as much as well uh, she's, she's know, good great. with writing like little like teenage girls like the daughter of the like the, the daughter first was his daughter here is basically like almost a carbon copy of a more delinquent version of the the daughter and the nice guys there's even right. a sequence where she's like i want to be part of the action action so she like sneaks into the car to like go with the uh, damon waynes and gets kidnapped and it's like the same it's it's like a carbon copy of the same thing mm-hmm. right but chelsea field's character in this movie is like either like shrewd or she's crying like one or one or the other and it's like it's 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 a bummer to see chelsea yeah. oh, danielle harris no, Daniel Harris is the daughter. Chelsea, the daughter. wait, right? Yep. Oh, Chelsea Fields is the wife. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, what yeah. I mean. she's, a, she's a very one-dimensional character. The same goes for Halle Berry, who's in it for like, you know, five minutes. But oh, um, five. it's the same kind of like, oh, let's just see some tits and then, you know, you'll die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say for me the like big, I mean, it's a pretty obvious point, but the scripts really separate these two movies for me in a very clear way because um, even though... Ryan, you, I think I think you mentioned like Tony Scott's direction. Like I actually would kind of fault the direction in, in Last Boy Scout in some ways. Like in some ways, I wanted a director that was more able to pull off like the there, there's a lot of things going on in Last Boy Scout that I don't think Tony Scott really brings to the like that he really brings up like to the level of the things he was interested in, which are like the visuals and. I guess the action, but the action in last boy scout is not really the selling point for me. It's the one liners. It's the, it's the attempt at, or what I think Shane black was trying to do with um, modernizing at this time, another private detective story, right? He loves his buddy, his buddy cop movies and his private detective it's mixed movies. with like a yeah, gumshoe, like hard boiled type right. of uh, Dashiell Hammett. But I think, of, I think uh, the sports element in last boy scout is like really, it's like, it's lacking because I think that's like it, on a thematic level, it could have sung so well with by the end of Last Boy Scout. There's this little bit of dialogue between Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis where they're talking about how, well, it's the 90s now. You got to have a line when you say like the commentary that's clearly going on of action movies, the meta commentary that Shane Black is totally interested in. But I feel like this movie needed more of that because I think that's that's what all the football stuff is sort of echoing. Where anytime a character gets to talk about football in this movie, you know it's early '90s because they're like free agency ruined the sport, and they're that they, like mm-hmm. everybody kind of has an opinion about how football's going in the shitter, right? And uh, that's the same feeling I have that Shane Black has, especially being on the inside track that he was at this time in his career. Um, just seeing how movies were greenlit, working on actual sets, acting in movies like Predator and stuff like he knows what it's like. And I feel like I feel like there's a better meta commentary, like more of an over mm. like comedy, like to let those one liners really sing. I just think um, I, I, I got to admit, I haven't like thought of a director that could pull it off better. But I just know that like when I watched it um, today, I was like, man, I just feel like someone else that wasn't maybe just bringing the words literally to life on screen, someone who could dig in and maybe find those other elements that I feel like Shane Black was going for. I just feel like Last Boy Scout might have been a great movie, and instead it's like a fun movie from its time that I feel like reaches for more, at least in the script area, but kind of is so 
I mean, if nothing else, it's so silly that it's like makes it way more fun than something like Bad Boys because Michael Bay is silly for different reasons. Silly because it's like hard to take that guy seriously, mm. you know. But he wants to be taken seriously, true. And I, that's yep. the problem with so many of his movies is mm-hmm. that they are. Yeah, if only he was a bit more, bit campier, and I think he he kind of like picked up on that a little bit more with The Rock on before he like went full schlock and melodrama with Armageddon. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. He's that's, that's one of his problems is like, he can't go like his, his campy visual style doesn't match his like bravado of no. with like what he's trying to make. And I should correct myself about Scott. What I, what I applaud Tony Scott for in this movie is just holding the, the damn thing together. Right. From that's all good the, point. Like, the, yep. like from all the Frankenstein elements that were like, mm. going on behind the scenes, the fact that a movie was that this movie was delivered and in its, you know, intact what it is, is good. But it is a disappointment that yet yeah, you're right. Maybe a better filmmaker could have pulled it off. But I also think in regard to Scott, what he can bring to the action table, they don't really utilize his talents. It's true. It is, it is kind of a disappointing action movie. Like the, the car chase, I think we already referenced when the Bruce Willis daughter character, Danielle Harris's character is with Damon Wayans. That's a pretty lackluster car chase. It's clunky too. Like the, the sort of spatial disconnect in the cuts is really, really all over the place. And the, the best action scene, if, if any is the the opening one is mm. the the football scene that opened. Yeah, that was that yes. was like interesting and weird and mm. kind of a ballsy way to open like a general audience like entertainment even if even though it's R rated but all the action stuff was R rated back then anyway. Oh, especially uh, the schlocky like uh, Hank Williams Jr. esque like song. Oh, that that, that music video at the beginning is like I <laughs> hope they that was like a self aware movie Friday instead of like, oh, it's gonna be, good. I hope that was a I was that was I, I hope that was like a parody. Like I, I think it. I, was. I really I think, hope yeah. it wasn't like because they used to. Oh, this is gonna look so cool. There used to be a Monday Night Football theme or anthem, and shit. They might still do it for all I know. Yeah, but yeah, they do, and it's Hank Williams <laughs> Jr. There you go. Oh no. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. while it's very similar, Octa. Yeah, it's definitely. I think it's definitely a parody that they're like. That's that's the stuff that maybe you're you're getting at Octa. Like what I felt like Tony Scott maybe keeps and. and Ryan, you make good points. I want to keep these caveats there because Tony Scott, like what's, what's on, what's on display is his professionalism. Like the guy got this done despite all the egos and hard, like things going against him to get this movie done. So he's a professional and I respect him for that. But I do feel like we're there. We're at a better scenario for any filmmaker to bring it to life even more. Oh, bring to life a really funny script that could have been even better. Um, those things yeah, would have been it, more if, obvious maybe. Yeah. yeah. If, if Shane Breck, if they let Shane Breck direct it back then, if he had the clout that he does now and hopefully he'll, he'll still have it. I mean, I, I, I think that, Predator, the Predator is going to be a huge hit, even though I'm psyched for that. Uh, yeah. New guys kind of performed like I had a lackluster performance, but I feel like New guys is going to have like a nice guys, like a, the Big Lebowski type of uh, home video run where people are just going to like start because it ha- it has the same kind of like two buffoons getting caught into this like ridiculous conspiracy mystery story and it has like all these one-liners that you can like repeat over and over again but but yeah I mean it's if, if he had that kind of clout back then and if they let him direct it I. I I feel like it would have been a lot more playful and self-aware yeah. than, than what Tony Scott turned it into. And maybe Tony Scott's hands were a little bit tied uh, too because we all we know that Tony Scott can pull off uh, a little bit more playful than he did that with, uh, with True Romance, which is like probably the best version of a Tarantino script that um, 
or like the best version that could have come out of that that script. That's why I think that, he fit. Yeah, that true romance and Tarantino style is a much better fit for uh, for Tony Scott, I think, because Tarantino mm-hmm. isn't really going to do a lot of meta stuff. I mean, there's sequences in Reservoir Dogs that are sort of meta when Tim Roth is telling the commode story, I guess, but um, or like it's playful in the style, but. Tarantino is much more like it's the language that like you can't deny the language like you basically just need good actors mm-hmm. to film it and it's going to come to life. So I think like the lack of like I, I guess I'm not going to say Shane Black has more subtext in his scripts than Tarantino. I just think the last Boy Scout had the potential to have that. And um, it, and True Romance was more of a straightforward uh, Tarantino script with great dialogue scenes that Tony Scott was able to capitalize on for sure. So yeah, yeah, so yeah, the, the way that you mentioned, uh, you know, I didn't maybe because I'm not that much into sports, I didn't really pick up on um, the the football an- analogy. And now that you mentioned it, it does kind of make sense that he was maybe commenting on like how um, kind of clinical the the whole process has become. And people, I mean, like that whole theme of like, oh, people lost the love of the game. It's all like about money now. Yeah. And maybe like there's there's a lot of stuff like that, but it's like it's it, and also like the theme of uh, the thing that I really like about the last Boy Scout, and it's even more impressive, you know, knowing how much of a nightmare the the shoot the production was and how like it was, it's it's kind of a miracle that it all like kind of came together. Like that Tony Scott still managed to manage to be uh, stay focused on the on the the themes of the story that uh, that concerned the protagonist, which is like you know if it's it's kind of like a no deed goes unpunished type of situation. If yeah. you're like, if you're like the the only one uh, that's left with a moral compass, a strict moral compass, and you know what's good and you know what's bad, and you want to stick to like doing good in this world, and uh, that's what the title refers to, the Last Boy Scout, because the Bruce Willis's character was like you know Secret Service agent protected the took a bullet for the uh for the president and got in trouble because he did the right thing because he didn't want like the senator to like beat up and rape this like poor woman and it goes into like and that that makes him cynical that makes him bitter but then at the same time it does it's like this the the arc of the story is like him finding the last vestige of decency not even decency but he's like i mean he tries to be like a decent guy even though he's kind of a fuck up and he's just like he's kind of given up on his family and all his life because of like all the ways that he's been beaten down by trying to do the right thing and after a while people like that it's like it's it makes perfect sense for him to be like you know what i always try to do the right thing and i got fucked for it you know the whole my whole life mm-hmm. so I've, I've given up and it's just like him it's like that very relatable thing of like someone who's just like beaten down and given up to find that like last bit of strength to be like no i'm gonna like even if th- this kills me i'm gonna like do the right thing once once more and it's like it's 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 impressive that he sticks to that theme i mean i really like that um no, it's a little bit episodic until you get to like the midpoint of the movie because the the structure of it kind of goes like oh they go to a new location and the bad guys show up and then they have to find a clever yeah. way to, like kill them and get away and then they go to the next location and the same shit happens again <laughs> but then but then what what gives it a bit more of like a character arc and a bit more of a structure is this like kind of quiet long section in the middle where um bruce willis and damon waynes are just like okay we're gonna like go after this case uh and it's probably gonna kill us and they just like basically uh go hang out at bruce willis's house and there's that's where you get all the like a backstory about like each of the characters and how they're they're basically like in the same boat as far as having all these tragedies and horrible things happen in life and they both kind of like given up 
and maybe this case like brings them an opportunity to like do the right thing and redeem themselves and maybe have a little bit more faith that you know uh the good guys are gonna win this time around or maybe something like that but you mm-hmm. know I, I think that that kind of brings it all together and that kind of makes you care more about the characters and i appreciate that 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 whole middle section which might be feeling saggy for uh some of the audience who's looking for like non-stop action like I, I appreciate that it's there and i feel like a filmmaker now with such a big budget like high octane like fast-paced action movie like wouldn't be able to get away with a scene with like a long character-based sequence that's like that long why aren't you in bed Terry is watching tv yeah i can see that she's also pissed at you big time What would happen to your face? My God, it speaks. Nothing happened to my face. It always looks like this. What's wrong with his face? His nose is too pointy. His eyes are beady. His ears are too big. He needs a shave. Oh, ho, 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 ho. I'm peeing my pants. You're so funny out here. It's my daughter, Darian. My name's Jimmy. That was that number in the back of your head. Was that like a license plate in case somebody tries to steal it? No. It's a football thing. It's my high school number. So when do you graduate? You want to be left alone, don't you? I'll be in the kitchen. Right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Bay movie for that. <laughs> Having coming off watching 13 Hours recently. Oh, yeah. I've not out. seen that one yet. Uh, yeah, I pretty much hated almost every <laughs> second of it. Um, American Sniper like, 2? Uh, well, I don't know. It, it, it made me appreciate American Sniper, which I don't know what that says about. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, oh, uh, it's so him. It's just so much, like, mm. douchebaggery in the characters, even though I've been told by, like, friends who are in the military. It's like, well, that's how people talk. I don't care in this movie. They're assholes. They're assholes, <laughs> plain and simple, and I'm not rooting or caring for them. They're all just paper kit thin cutouts to spout out Islamophobic lines. They're like, I can't tell the good guys from the bad, and he reuses the same shot for Pearl Harbor from the POV perspective of the bomb. And it's like, oh. what the fuck? Uh, God, well, I'm... he has repeated himself in those Transformers movies. They've literally reused special effects from movies. You know, like I know it's ones. really hard. It's really hard for me not to hold back because I like deeply, personally hate him on like a very well, that, does, like, doesn't that kind of level yeah and yeah i mean just... it's at, it's it's kind of come at this point now where it's just like he's so grating and he's so like yeah th- those elements of it th- th- those qualities of his are so like annoying that you just can't it's really it's really almost impossible to overlook but at, at the same time it's like it's not surprising that he keeps using the shots from his previous films and stuff like that because he's basically like a brand at this point like his mm-hmm. his visual style and his he he set that up maybe with bad boys maybe that's like ground zero for that but i feel like even like in his next movie like you know his transformers 5 or whatever he somehow sneaks in uh like a shot from bad boys one a movie from like 20 plus years ago and it would still fit in there i feel like <laughs> it's like it's like you watch Bad Boys 1 and you're just like, he hasn't, yes, the budget is smaller and, uh, you know, there, there are many, many different elements and and it was it was maybe exciting and new at the time, but he's like, it's like you watch Bad Boys 1 it's just like, yeah, you can apply this entire style into whatever he's doing now. He hasn't really, he hasn't really progressed in what was once exciting and 
fresh maybe like that 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 add editing and the the, the fast cutting and the, the you know the michael bay style that we all know mm. that's like gaudy and just over the top and you know uh operatic in a way that just doesn't really understand what operatic should be mm. i don't know if that makes any sense no it does and i think that's why i resent <laughs> this movie so much is like you know the first bad boys because it's like even if there's you know some good things to take away from it it really set the stage and it set the tone for everything to come after and like other than the rock and you know i i i would go to bat for pain and gain also but like that that's about it like the rest of his movies are really increasingly difficult to watch and i think you know, if you look at his peers, like, you know, who were brought up in the music video industry, like it, it would I think he'd be more humbler or maybe he would, you know, give a shit more if his first movie would have tanked. Yeah, because mm. it's like, you know, because like, you know, David Fincher, him and him were they were both brought up kind of in the same like class of filmmaking. And Fincher did Alien 3 and it was a fucking disaster. And <laughs> three years later, we got seven from that. And yep. we got Fincher that. We know um, Tony Scott's first movie was The Hunger, which, you know, not many people saw. And then he went on to do Top Gun. So it's like if. Well, and you know, very very different film from Top Gun, too. Like he was Mm. he was already versatile. Well, and also you see an you see an evolution in the directors there like that you don't see in Michael Bay. I I, almost kind of what you were getting at, I think, Ryan, is like Michael Bay is sort of set. He, he his style was sort of set with bad boys. And we've only seen a sort of more indulgent and just more, more, more of it. Whereas like I've knocked Tony Scott on this episode, but I'm going to compliment him. You see a distinct evolution in Tony Scott's career because when he went batshit crazy with all the stylistic flair stuff that he started doing around the time of man on fire and his BMW short that he did with James Brown. Yeah. Domino, which written by, uh, well, at at least once hot screenwriter in Richard Kelly, but not so much anymore. Um, but he, yeah. uh, And, uh, um, but you also see that you see that in Fincher, you see a constant evolution in these filmmakers as they mature. And Michael Bay is sort of like regressing and becoming like more annoying. And I, I, I wanted it to bring something up that occurred to me with watching these movies again, that I'd like to see, hear what you guys think, because I would say Shane Black now to compare Shane Black to Michael Bay. They both kind of represent um, different degrees of conservative ideals, I guess, in their movies. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing I got to say uh, to Sh- about Shane Black is he actually has like very conservative like ideas in his movies. Like look at the daughter dad dynamics in in Nice Guys and in this movie, Last Boy Scout, like. Um, Bruce Willis kind of represents an old guard of like, no, you know, my, like he's constantly fighting with his daughter in last boy scout about she's 13 years old. She can't, you know, he's not liberal in that way, but his wife sort of is. And I like that Shane black has these conservative ideals that are actually represented in a, like a positive way because you're not, and you know, you're not evil just cause you're a conservative person, you know, like it's easy to feel that way these days, but something that was incredibly refreshing to me with last boy scout, but even more so with nice guys, because that movie came out this year in 2016 is there are those elements of like, you know, trying to keep your kids to be kids a little bit longer. That's not such a bad thing. You know, that's, that's actually not a bad ideal to live by or, uh, the, the other elements of like just um, Bruce Willis sort of what he represents as the last Boy Scout. That's a it's 
it's all very uh, rooted in like a certain era of conservative conservatism that became ugly post eighties. But like yes. there were positive elements in there. And I think Shane Black represents that. Whereas Mike, Michael Bay is like the Trump successful version yes. of it yes. that, that exists that now. Up. Right. Yeah. It's that evolution. That's it's a de-evolution. It's a degradation of those ideals. That's just become this ugly thing. And Michael Bay is the ultimate exemplar of those ugly ideals and i just got to say it's worth saying that shane black represents some positive elements of conservatism yes yes i mean it's 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 true it's a if he the the way that let me try to break it down this way maybe shane black represents uh because you know modern conservatism especially post reagan is like this frankenstein's monster of yeah groups that have incredibly different set of values and standards kind of coming together Somehow, uh, because, you know, the the rich has, you know, basically duped the working class into thinking that they're going to be rich someday if the the rich people's taxes are cut and, you know, the the whole trickle down economics con of the whole Mm -hmm. 80s, that's still kind of reverberating. And that Frankenstein monster is like, thankfully, kind of like coming apart at the seams these days. Uh, But before getting into too much into politics, you know, I think it's it's the uh, I think the way to break it down is almost like Shane Black represents this kind of like working class values conservatism, which is like, you know, respect your parents, uh, always try to do the right thing, you know, like, right. like stick to your values. And that that's kind of the, the message in uh, The Last Boy Scout. That's what the, the title, like like I was saying earlier, that the, well, that's what the title refers to. It's just like the last person who's just like kind of a decent working class man trying to like keep his family and keep a career together just like gets fucked by like this right. new world order that's that's kind of like you know his, his ideals it, are so it, strong it, that he mm-hmm. he and i'm sorry for cutting you off his ideals yeah. are so strong that he will defend his best buddy who he caught sleeping with his wife because his ideals are like which is its own sort of skewed messed up thing because he sort of leaves the wife high and dry and she, you know, this is not a feminist movie, unfortunately, you know, mm. The Last Boy Scout. It's definitely not. It's a very testosterone driven movie. But Bruce Willis's ideals are still like he's he wants to be. It's always about like his certain morality that like just do the right thing, you know, and. He does that even when this guy, his buddy in the beginning is cheating on his wife with him, you know, like mm-hmm. there's there's something you have to respect about that, even though it's like, well, yeah, of course, you know, you, you don't well, you are uh, you are not long for this world, you know. Yeah, well, well, David Wayne's character even like uh, brings that up in a, in, a, in a pretty on the nose way where he says like, oh, you're about to go avenge yeah. the, the your, your partner that, you know, who slept with your wife to save <laughs> the life of the guy like you you hate the most in the world it's like you're a weird guy kind of thing but yeah that that's what it kind of refers to and i think the bad boy style and michael bay style from that point on is definitely like that kind of like dick swinging gaudy rich yuppie prick side of conservatism that like only kind of puts any kind of currency into style and looking cool and looking like looking impressive, and I think it's not an accident that Will Smith's character is, is like a is like a is like a super rich uh, trust fund kid who just wants wanted to be a cop so that they could have like the the cool cars and the his his <laughs> amazing like uh, over the top like rich uh, uh, bachelor apartment and he's like a player and he just like sleeps around so it's just like it's it's that kind of like fantasy fulfillment that yeah the working class conservative has about like yeah someday that's going to be me kind of thing and it's just like the, there's something annoying and gaudy 
about that uh, when you're watching it, and I think it just got progressively worse uh, mm-hmm. it got over time. Worse. It's not just uh, <laughs> even it got worse in the Bad Boy series on a smaller scale because even Martin Lawrence's working class character lived in like a beachside mansion in the second <laughs> one. So I don't know how he afforded that on that salary. I don't know <laughs> what happened there. But the worst part is it's like it's not just the sort of economic conservatism and the sort of like capitalism of it, but it's also the pandering. It's the yeah. pandering to the lowest common denominator. It's the gratuitous shots of the American flag. It's the, the you know, praising the U.S. military, but to the point of jingoism, the point that they're going to go and kick everybody's ass. That's like support the troops. But like there's there's a point with your movies. You're just, you know, he's he's Donald Trumping it. He's like stirring up shit. And like getting people all riled up to be like, yeah, and it's, it's, it's condescending. It's looking it's down on the, that type of audience, whereas someone like Tony Scott is maybe like kind of uh, handling it in a bit more respectful way. Mm. Tony Scott's never like I, I would never say he's a subtle filmmaker by any stretch of the word, but the guy knew how to make an action like he knew how to make an action movie as a movie. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't some like ugly message it wasn't some you know and it wasn't a movie that was pretending to to be anything more than it was than a piece of entertainment even some of his more you know serious movies like man on fire um you know has have their charms to them Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so it's like he just he he was more like i think eric had pointed out he was like the working man filmmaker he was you know he was a very like professional craftsman uh who was just you know proud of making movies who became kind of artsy in a way you know like yeah his latter his latter and tony kind of switched spots during the early 2000s if you think about tony's a more interesting career like post 2000 than ridley scott at least his movies may have failed well ridley scott's had some big failures as we've cited a lot on this podcast uh um, (laughs) but but tony scott at least has the more interesting career that's there's no doubt there's no doubt there yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Spy Game. I think that's a really well-made um, kind of political thriller. And it came around the time when I when I when that was the time when I started thinking like, oh, they're kind of switching spots because mm. Ridley started making the like the big budget like uh, the the epic entertainment that's like going for Black like Hawk the, you know Black Hawk Down and Gladiator and all that and like. Tony started making like these interesting, more intimate films. And yeah, he's like, that's, I think that's kind of like the point when you try to respect the director and I think whether or not they evolve and uh, yeah, like, like a working man in that way that like that kind of filmmaker that I have a lot of respect for who just kind of like looks at every um, different type of project in a professional way and be like, okay, how can I make this like interesting on its own while also trying to bring my own like sense of, style to it and i think what happened with michael bay was like he made bad boys one and then he was like all right i'm set this yeah. is what i'm doing from now on and, and he, never he, had, like he only had one that. failure uh, the island the island yeah, yeah which is actually like sadly one of his more tolerable movies really and it, i think so i'm hmm. uh more tolerable than any like armageddon or any of the transformers movies oh, i gotta believe you it, I gotta it, it, it attempts it has an attempt at like a cerebral sci-fi story as dumb as the plot is you, you just kind of want to go like, you know, you see a little kid do like a drawing that's like a little bit above his, uh, you know, and then you just like kind of pat him on the head. It's like, nice job. You know, at least well, he tried. After the first 10 minutes when there wasn't an explosion, I was like, wait, this did say it was a Michael Bay movie, right? <laughs> like, like, and it for the first hour, it like, I mean, it's dumb, but it's like, well, 
you tried, and then the last hour becomes. Oh yeah, and then it turns into Michael Bay. But like, okay. at least like he has some restraint during the first hour, that makes the movie interesting. Uh, in a way that's like, that makes it like, like oh, you made it intentional. Like he was actually trying to make like, like I like as much as I like Pain and Gain, I totally like have to uh, admit that I feel like that movie works because Mike, you know, it's like because it wasn't like self-aware of its style yeah like it was it was in a way that's just like it works perfectly because it's like the kind of movie that those the the meathead characters in the movie would have made right those actors make that movie what that movie is which is the case for any michael bay movie if it has any legit laughs in it it's the actors that do that i mean we've said it hasn't aged well with the first bad boys but we've already kind of noted martin lawrence and will smith bring the movie to life if it does at all and then you look at like The Rock, Sean Connery, and Nicolas Cage are fucking hilarious in that movie. They're really Ed good. Harris is good in that movie yep. too. Like, yeah, he he gives that movie an anchor where most of his movies that's a good point. don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, which to me, I, I don't know if I've said this. That's far and away, if I have to pick one, yeah, his best movie is The Rock. Like, Agree. Oh yeah, Agree. easily. I, well, easily. I, I I don't know. I think we might have peaked. Do you guys have any last thoughts? I I want to, I want to, yeah, go ahead, Eric. Oh, mine will be brief. I just got to, I'm just going to put a shout out there. When we did the Abyss episode, um, I noted that the Abyss had one of those scenes that I always look forward to when I watch because it's sort of cheesy bad, you know, the, the crane scene, uh, Mm. bad boys has one of those for me. Uh, I, (laughs) I, uh, other than just a visceral sort of weird enjoyment, I love the scene at the end, big gunfight in the air hangar, the airport hangar or whatever. And Will, um, Martin, Martin Lawrence, you know, pulls off the line, you forgot your boarding pass. But for some inexplicable reason, after he says that line, the uh, guy that he's about to shoot just goes, like, he just, like, yeah. watch, watch that scene. If you probably, yeah, it sounds like Octane knows what I'm talking about. You forgot your boarding pass. And it's just yeah. this most bizarre thing. But I remember seeing it in a theater with my best buddy growing up that we got obsessed with movies. And these were the things that we would focus on. And we, to this day could, could like text each other. Like you forgot your board and pass and then just garble some like, and we would make each other laugh because it's such a weird <laughs> moment. It's like the edit got fucked up and they just threw this audio in there or yeah, something. You should, you should check they that just, out on YouTube if you can find it because you it can. Is, it is I like watched really- it. <laughs> Did they just take Jeff Goldblum's laugh from Jurassic Park? (laughs) 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 And then just amp it up in the Bay level. Yeah. There's some weird, like, um, maybe unintentional, awkward choices in that movie. Like when the, when the main bad guy is like finally shot, like they, they get him. And the score is like this really sad (laughs) kind of like, as if you're supposed to feel sad for the guy getting shot. Like it's just the, the wires get crossed and that, that, that always like kind of, that part of it always bugged me, but I, I wanted to um, kind of bring up quickly, mainly not because like there's any kind of intellectual uh, argument to be made out of this. I just think it will be a lot of fun to discuss this. I just wanted to bring up how insanely stupid the story in Bad Boys is. Oh, yeah. Like the the, the main conflict in the story and uh, and how it comes around. It's like the whole thing about like, oh, it's like the hooker, like goes to see a client after the the big bust so they have like all this heroin lying around and then the bad guy comes in and shoots the hooker and the uh corrupt cop and the tia leone's character is there because you know it's like i feel like maybe in the earlier draft of the script like she was supposed to be another hooker 
And then they were like, oh, we can't have like this positive character that the audience is supposed to be rooting for be a hooker. So why don't we make her like the hooker's roommate <laughs> that she just shows up at this like like incredibly dangerous uh situation right just so you know she she's just like oh yeah i'll just go hang out with you while you like fuck some guy snorting heroin like you know like there's nothing wrong with that and i love the scene that precedes it where um the the prostitute is like talking to her um manager or whatever and uh and her her manager is just like oh you know your your, your roommate is cute why don't you bring her along and she's just like oh she's not a working girl and just like it might be dangerous and uh, the the line that the the manager uses to make her feel better about the whole situation <laughs> is like, "Oh, don't worry about it. The guy's on speed." <laughs> oh no! Now that you said that, yeah, I'm, I'm all good. Yeah, now that you said that, the guy's on speed. Yeah, that doesn't make him dangerous at all. Welcome least. to the <laughs> world of Michael Fucking Bay. <laughs> and it, just, it makes the, the the beginning of it first of all makes absolutely no sense how that that totally. setup is created and why would why would the roommate of a prostitute show up at like you know the the prostitute doesn't go to her work you know like why would she like go there and then she's gonna show up there and then and then she feels like all awkward because the guy's like hitting her and yes of course because he expects he thinks she's a hooker too so he expects to like have sex with her as well like it's it's such, it's such a bizarre weird situation that maybe um Michael Bay was kind of like stuck with, you know, because he just kept saying that like he hated the script. And, 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 and an interesting side note that the script was actually written with like Dana Carvey and John Lovitz in mind. Oh, I remember that? that. I remember that. That would have been really bad, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, mean, I don't be... know. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, it's like and then after that, the whole setup of like, OK, <clears throat> Martin Lawrence has to pretend to be like Will Smith, who's like this rich yeah. bachelor, rich, smooth bachelor. And it's like Will Smith has to pretend to be. And then he thinks like. You know, it's like, like, and then it's just like one lame sitcom premise that was already tired by the time this movie, like this feature film came out, it, that was already tired on TV screens. And then like one lame sitcom premise after the other, which is like one of those situations where just like a two minute conversation would have cleared like everything up. And it just like drags the movie down so bad, like especially during the the second act but uh totally. yeah it's 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 it was like so much more i mean i was annoyed by it when it first when the movie first came out but i kind of you know like ryan said like people give the movie a pass a little bit but this time around uh it was just like it was so horribly dated and and grating and um and yeah and, and then another like small thing i wanted to bring up is like these two characters are supposed to be like like boys you know they're, they're supposed to be like best buds and stuff like that but i feel like every single scene is spent with them just like fighting and screaming at each other like it's it's just the the tone of it is kind of weird it just feels like like for most of the movie watching it this time around i felt like they're these are not best friends they kind of like it just feels like they kind of hate each other like they they like michael bay didn't know how to handle that kind of like uh male camaraderie that has a lot of like kind of because he doesn't understand uh, human beings like, yeah i guess <laughs> i guess it. that's the thing because there's a lot of stuff in the last boy scout where like damon waynes and bruce willis insult each other mm -hmm. and they're, they're supposed to not like each other at the beginning but you can see like this friendship forming even when there's when bruce willis is just like you know i don't care about you get the fuck out of my face like i only you know care about myself kind of thing uh but in bad boys like from minute one they're supposed to be like best friends and all that and it just feels like I think what he's doing is that thing of like, oh yeah, best friends like insult each other and yell and you know fight each other, but they're still best friends. But it 
kind of in this viewing it kind of came across as like you know they're just they're just not supposed to be friends i guess like they kind of <laughs> hate each other you know i don't know what what do you what do you think about that ryan Did well, you not only does they not understand human beings as eric pointed out he tone has never been yeah. a strong suit at all like any attempt he has his hum- at humor is the just utterly worst thing in the world <laughs> it's like like the not quite the opening well there's stuff in the opening of Armageddon, but like when they're first on the oil rig, yeah. and uh, the fucking Bruce Willis comes in with a shotgun, <laughs> shooting at Ben Affleck, and the scene's supposed to be hilarious, right. mind you. While they're hitting golf balls at Greenpeace for another for their ugly piece of conservatism in his mm-hmm. movies, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but he's like chasing Ben Affleck with a shotgun, like it's a like Wiley e. Coyote cartoon, and it's meant to be played for laughs, and it's like. No, he's shooting to kill him. Like, yeah. just to point that out. Like, point blank range. <laughs> you, like, any little piece of that buckshot hits him, like, then it's not funny anymore. So it's just like, it's awful. His sense of humor is the the worst thing. And then he, and he always does. I mean, this, I don't like, have to say ever, but it's it's terrible. It's terrible. And he always does this like awkward hypocritical thing of like. He, he like there's always this thing where he like adds an ADR line or something to make it like oh we're not really like that conservative or we're not trying to like pander to conservatives that much because like that scene like that always bugs me about that Greenpeace scene is that he adds this like he's like throwing golf balls at Greenpeace and making fun of him and stuff and then there's like this quick ADR line. That's obviously ADR because you don't see his face where he goes like, I donate you millions of dollars every year. It's just like, why the fuck would that character <laughs> donate money to Greenpeace? Like the, he obviously hates them, but they want to be like, oh, look, he's not like a mean, like anti-nature type guy because we want to <clears> get, you know, we want to uh, grab money from like the, the lefties as well. Or, you know, like it's just like that kind of like very cheap kind of like approach but it's like yeah it's this it's the same thing it's 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 annoying that like way. trying to have like all points of view so you ultimately have yeah. no point of view kind of yeah, and yet exactly. michael exactly. bay's style and his just ugliness does sort of come through in the end even even in this first movie here so yeah i mean and l- all yeah <laughs> all of them unless you know lest we be hypocritical and turn this into a bloated uh michael bay level uh running time here <laughs> Maybe we, maybe Ryan was onto something. I, I feel like we could wrap it up because I, I you know, I, I think we've, I think we've done the movies justice and uh, I yeah. definitely would take last boy scout any day of the week. And I'm not even crazy about the movie, but Jesus, is it a lot more fun than fucking bad boys? That's so. the thing. Both movies are completely watching them back to back. They are completely dated and of their time with almost no relevance in today. But one of them is, uh, is a romp. But but Last Boy Scout is is Last Boy Scout is charmingly so uh, mainly because it it takes advantage from like the best parts of that kind of like early '90s action uh, big action era and uh, I think part of the reason why Bad Boys is so much more grating now is because you can see that it's like that's the beginning of this the annoying Michael Bay style and you're kind of like resentful to it because of that. (laughs) because <laughs> you're like you're the one who started this shit man like and then you just kept doing the same crap over and over but bigger and dumber and more annoying and longer and you know it's just like the beginning of that like cinematic disease like it's like agent zero <laughs> all right well um let's kind of cut this shit out uh for this episode 
Uh, I could have probably phrased that better, but whatever. <laughs> um, so thank, yeah, thank you so much for listening to uh, our new episode of Over Under Movies. Uh, and we are hosted by theplaylist.net, uh, and you can find their um, podcast network on the podcast tab on the theplaylist.net website. And uh, come check us out from time to time, and some of the other shows as well. And uh, yeah, signing off. It this is Octavia Kozak. I'm a film critic for the playlist, uh, the Oregon Herald, the DVD Talk, and uh, BayaSpider.com. And I'm Eric McClanahan, film critic for The Playlist as well, and podcast editor there. Also write for Oregon Arts Watch, and my other podcast is Adjust Your Tracking. And I'm Ryan Oliver. I'm a contributor here at theplaylist.net. Yeah, and uh, you can also find us, uh, follow us specifically this podcast on Twitter at Over Under Movies, and you can like us on Facebook.com slash Over Under Movies. And, you know, always, uh, if you want to leave us a comment, if you want to discuss uh, our thoughts, and if you want to just say we're a bunch of hacks and <laughs> you just hate hate uh, everything we ever say, that's fine too. You know, just don't be, like, way too mean about it. Yeah, we had some uh, comments. Yeah, uh, we had some comments some... on the last one, actually. Uh, yeah, the... those were interesting. Yeah, and the the one person who had said that they were a little upset that they're like, I hope you aren't just throwing a movie under the bus to, like, bring another one up, you know? Like, it was the killer in Bittersweet Life episode. And, and uh, he also admitted that he didn't listen to the episode. Yeah, which comment. was at first infuriating, but you know what? Very nice commenter because we, we came to an understanding, I would say, by the end of it. So, yeah, we would love more of that. Um, I think of all the podcasts we're doing right now, Over Under should prompt the most comments because it's movies that yeah. a lot of people have probably had more of a chance to see. I've already so. seen and I already thought yeah. about have already became fans uh if it's underrated like they might be upset about it or you know like or if it's uh, or they might be like really happy that a movie that they always thought was underrated is like championed by us or right whatever and, and any kind of discussion you want to you know you want to throw at us we would love that we would love to have your comments and any comments about like how you if you might if you think like how we might improve the show or anything like that you know just just hit us up it's all good we're, we're we won't bite we're we're nice people totally and with uh, that octay why don't you uh why don't you give us what uh they're going to be your picks on the next episode so what can we look forward to <laughs> talking about mean comments <laughs> here they come we can, uh, we, we can expect a bit of those because uh <laughs> next episode is going to be uh charlie kaufman episode the yeah. the eponymous uh writer and uh, now director with Snacktiki and uh Anomalisa uh two ex- excellent films in my opinion um but yeah we're going to talk about two of the films that he wrote uh my pick for and they're going to be my picks uh and my underrated pick is going to be Adaptation the 2002 um what I call uh one of the it's to me is it's one of the handfuls of like horror movies for writers uh, <laughs> that I'm going to, I'm also going to get into that during the episode. So look forward to that. And uh, the part that I feel like is going to piss people off a little more is um, my overrated pick is going to be uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, which <sighs> is a very like passionately beloved film, uh, <laughs> especially by a lot of um, film buffs and film nerds. So, so we'll see how that one goes <laughs> like you. Yeah. So it's, that's going to be interesting. Uh, it's, it's, we're going to clash a little bit, it feels like, but I've, you know, we'll see. I haven't seen Eternal Sunshine since the day it came out, so, mm. you know, we'll see how it holds up, and, uh, um, yeah, it's, it should be an interesting episode. So, if you want to catch up with uh, with those films before the next episode, uh, this is like, you know, we wanted to bring that up so that, you know, you know which, which movies to expect from us. Uh, and they're, regardless of overrated or underrated, they're... Uh, 
both films are like very interesting and should be very interesting to catch up to. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, but until uh, our next episode, uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.